Hello there, podcastees, uh, former Heptagon Clubbers. Because, yes, once again, you must have noticed that what was called the Heptagon Club is now called a Paul Carenza podcast, which is what this is. So there's no uh, intro theme like there used to be. The Heptagon Club has indeed closed its doors. But in order to keep the old episodes up, I have to pay each month. If I stop paying, then the episodes vanish into the ether we can't have the ether full of episodes, can we? Think of the environment. Uh, so I pay whether I upload stuff or not. So it's nice to upload stuff now and then. So let's have an episode of this. There's a golden moment if you've had a good show of like 10 minutes where you can sell something. <laughs> you know what I mean? people will buy it. forget. After 12 minutes. So what is this. Well, this is just like last time. It's a taste of my Comedians with Books uh, live show. And I always try and bring out the podcast around a month or so before the next Comedians with Books show. Uh, so a little bit after that. It's in about three weeks time, uh, the very next one. Uh, more details of uh, who's on that one very shortly. Yeah, I know it's almost like I'm trying to get you to come along, isn't it, to this live event? Yes, I've got tickets to sell, okay? If you are near Guildford, if you know someone near Guildford on October the uh, the something, Google Guildford Fringe Comedians with Books and you will find us, okay? It's the same week as Guildford Book Festival and we're not there with them. We've, we've hijacked their event uh, to put on something literary but comedic and fun. We did ask them about coming on board with us and, um, well, uh, anyway. So Tuesday, the 8th of October, 2019, presumably most of you will be listening after that event, in which case we still have a fun podcast ahead of Comedians with Books. But um, quick plug for yeah, Star Pub in Guildford, Tuesday, 8th of October, one of the finest pub theatres known to man. Uh, £13, including booking fee, it says here, which is, which is new. Normally it's plus booking fee, so there you go. Bargain, £13. That means more money that you can spend on books on the night, because that is the plan. It's a live event with comedians who are also authors. They'll be bringing their books. Uh, you come, you hear me introduce three comedians who've written three books, uh, and they do their comedy sets. There's a break, you browse the books, you meet the authors, they're signing, scribblings, etc., and then all come back on for one giant big book panel. So that's what's on this podcast, the big book panel part, okay? Um, on the next live show that I'm trying to make you buy tickets for, uh, we've got Dominic Holland, that's uh, Spider-Man's dad. Uh, we've got Stephen Colgan, he's a former QI elf turned whodunit writer. And we've got James Dowdswell, he brings the non-fiction with his book, uh, The Pub Manifesto. He's written extensively on, on wine and beer and things, and he's also a fine comedian, so... So that's the live show. That's the October the 8th show. That's the one. Uh, more from me in a moment uh, with some upcoming news of exciting things ahead, including um, a, a shout out and a seek for some beta readers. I've got some writing going on myself, uh, some novels and short stories and things. And I am looking for beta readers, especially in the short story area. Won't take up much of your time, but I'm lead people who will receive them for free and then offer freely some feedback. More later on in the podcast on that. But first, let's hear from these three behemoths of comedy and authoring. James Carey, Pierre Hollins and Dan Evans joined us at the previous Guildford Fringe Comedians with Book Show earlier in 2019. They talked about their books, The Sacred Art of Joking, that's James Carey's book, a non-fiction about uh, comedy, religion, and how we should all be able to just, well, you know, take a joke. Pierre Hollins, he brought The Karma Farmers, a philosophical thriller, and The Casebook of D.I. Snaith, that was Dan Evans's spoof pulp noir book of little mysteries. So here they be, Comedians with Books, recorded live at Guildford Fringe, just after their top stand-up sets. <laughs> Right. Thomas, um, I wanted to start as well by asking, I know we've got different publishing ways in, so self-publishing, 
of traditional publishing. How did you all get into what? How did your book happen? Pierre? Um, I um, I sent it to a few publishers and I bumped into somebody at a gig who was a friend of a friend who just started working with a publisher called Unbound that is works on a, um, a crowdfunding platform and sent my stuff. Blah blah blah. And yeah, so we had to raise the money to, for the publishing costs. But apart from that, everything it works as a traditional publisher. And in fact, I glanced inside your book, and a bit similar to the podcast. And, yes, patrons, and there's a list, and there's a list of, of the uh, patrons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, am I allowed to say the name that I noticed in there? Uh, Dan Evans. Was it Dan it's, Evans? It's funny because I. Uh, but but it, it, it was Dan Evans, the tennis player. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and James, what about yourself? Uh, the book came about, um, actually it was a slightly odd one, because uh, in 2017 I, was, I did a show called A Monk's Tale, uh, another guaranteed box office smash about Martin Luther and the Reformation and the 95 Theses, because um, in 2017 it was the 500th anniversary of that moment when Martin Luther does the thing in, in Wittenberg, uh, which actually, interestingly, is the, one of the most significant events of the last thousand years in Europe. And um, so I did a show about that and I was promoting it and I was on Radio 2 with um, uh, Jason Mohammed, and he was asking me questions about it. So I had a, I was, I mostly got a PR person to get me on, I was on there. And then he was absolutely, his mind was blown by the idea that I could be a professional comedy writer and a Christian. And so he just kept asking me questions about it. And at one point I said, um, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, mean, I, I think I probably should write a book about this at some point, about jokes and comedy and how they work within the realm of religion. And the husband of the head of marketing at SPCK Publishers was listening and said to his wife, basically, oh, there's a guy on the radio who should write a book for your lot because then it won't be boring. Because <laughs> um, they have people like Rowan Williams, our former Archbishop of Canterbury, um, and so they then, they phoned me and I actually had a meeting, phoned me, emailed me probably, had a meeting with them and the head of marketing just said, well, I think we can sell this book. At which point you just think, well, you're probably going to do it then. doesn't care what the editor says because um, the editor will only get books through that committee if the head of marketing says we can market this book. So you're there. So I was there, yeah. yeah. And, then, and, then, uh, and then I've got literally hundreds of pounds to spend months writing the book. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I got a little bit of money to write the book. Um, and, but it was, it was, for me, it was the book that I really felt I was in a... Uh, I know what I'm talking about with comedy, if I may say so, by the way. Um, and I do, a sit and I do a podcast, as you mentioned before, called Sitcom Geeks, where I explain the technicalities of comedy. And also I have a degree in theology, and I take my faith really seriously. And, and also I laugh a lot with, with it as well. I just thought, this is the book that combines those two things. So if there's one book I'm going to write, it's going to be this book. So if I never write another book again, that's fine. But this is the book that I should be writing. But equally, I know that you've done uh, e-books as well, haven't you? Which yeah. Which you self-released. So, so I did a book called Writing That Sitcom, which is um, an e-book... Actually, I think I was offered a traditional publisher for that, but they said, oh, we'll release it in 18 months' time and we'll pay you this. And I just thought, and then I'll basically never get any more money from it. And I thought, because I have the podcast and the blog, I'll be doing all the publicity and marketing for it, so I don't quite know what I'm getting out of this. So it's a case of what was best for the right idea. Yeah. And that idea was an ebook, and this idea is traditional. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it, like, yeah, like I normally get the choice. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. But on that occasion, I did, and so I, I just went and I, I, yeah. There you go. And Dan, what about yourself? This is your book came out um, a while ago, wasn't it? So what was the reason? Yeah, I, um, I originally wrote one first story as a kind of 
I read a, a crime fiction story that I felt was so cliched, I thought I can out cliche this, so I wrote one of the short stories, then I realised I just wanted to write the rest of the stories. And then I ended up with like five of them, and quite a lot of experience of submitting scripts and being rejected, TV, film, that sort of thing. I've had reasonable successes as well, but um, I, I didn't have any, anything left in me to be rejected again, so I thought, rather than send it to publishers and get nowhere with it, I'll just get some quotes off printers, and they were less than I thought, so I bought 500. Because the idea of just putting it on the internet is like, there's, who's going to find it? So yeah. I sell most of them because I've had a good show. And so far it's worked. I think nobody ever publishes short story anthologies from nobody they've heard of. It just never happens. So there's no real point in me trying to get it like, published properly. So I, Self-publishing, though, is a really legitimate um, uh, route. We do tell know. ourselves that. No, <laughs> it's, um, no, no, it's the truth of it. If you yeah. take it, to, I mean... Um, a mutual friend of, of our, Queeve McDonald, yeah, yeah. self-published, done insanely well. He's done very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, he bangs them out. I mean, he does write. You know, that's his job now. Yeah, he's you know, given stand up. He wrote up a week seven week. novels in five years, right. yeah. Yeah, which is insane. And I guess this um, is... Yeah, but, but, but taking it like a job, uh, marketing it all himself, and also having a genre book, I think that's so important. <laughs> you know, we, we, you're talking about marketing. Mm. There, there, there's somebody reacted to that idea. Yeah. Um, we can market this. Yeah. And then if, 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 if it can be marketed, then, then we can sell it. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Mm. Um, and I've, I've had a sense that I'm deciding what the next project to do is. Do I try and pitch a sitcom or a book, whatever it might be? And I suppose the nice about a book is that you you said, you know, you, you can get it done. You can, yeah. you, no one can turn it down in a way. And people can turn it down, but then you can still go and do it. Whereas if you, someone turns it down a TV show, it's the, tricky to do that. The qualifier, I wouldn't need to tell you any of this, but if anybody were listening, and is, is that do get it read by people's opinion respect and take a month off from it and reread it so that it gets properly, you know, you sum it down properly and mm. get proper opinions. And, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not... You're absolutely right. Don't, just, don't is, just get a thousand of yeah. them and go... Oh, actually, it's a bit baggy around the spirit of the story. Click print several yeah. thousand times. That is often the downside of some um, self-published stuff. Yeah. It's not edited properly. Yeah. More from them shortly, but while we're talking about getting fresh eyes on new writing, here's a word from our sponsor. That is me. I'm spending a lot of time at the minute writing something new. It's a novel, uh, it's a whodunit, and it's, that's probably a year off being ready yet. But I've also I've been uh, collating some short stories I've written over the years. For the novel, and indeed primarily right now for the short stories, I am seeking beta readers, I believe they call it. You might have heard of uh, ARC, the Advanced Readers Copy. It's a bit like that, um, but that's more for like marketing, wanting reviews online, etc., which would be great, of course. Uh, but right now, I'm after the beta readers, which means feedback for me. So I want to form a small but essential band of willing superstars who would read and feedback, you know, nicely, constructively, um, uh, so I can tweak the books and the short stories ready for market, so they say. Sounds horribly capitalist, doesn't it? But I've written a few short stories now. No one's read them. They've sat on my hard drive, and I would like to get them out there ready. So you could be the first to read them for free. And, uh, you know, tell me your favourites. Uh, help me work out what to release and when and how and maybe change bits as we go. I should say they're comedic, often a twist in the tale. I, I personally devour short stories by Roald Dahl, Stephen King, Jeffrey Deaver, Jeffrey Archer even. So I do love me a twist in the tale. So that's why you come in. Uh, you'll be part of the inner circle, the A-team, uh, where A equals 
Ah, you're going to be the first to read it, eek. So for now, I'm not asking for the full novel to be read. That would be a bit much for now, but just some short stories. If you could read uh, two or three, let me know. Uh, and let me know what you thought. And then maybe later on, that public review, when it comes out, might be great as well on Goodreads or Amazon, whatever. But for now, just tell me so that I can fix it. Uh, so I need people who can be honest and be nice and who like reading uh, short stories, novels, ideally a bit of both. If that sounds like you, please do get in touch. Paul at paulcarenza.com, subject title A-Team. And then you are the beta readers, but you are my A-Team because I haven't got any alpha readers. Um, so yes, that would be lovely. What else has been going on? Well, I've just been working on a, a top, exciting, such fun TV show for the end of the year. Um, but can I even talk about that? I can't. I can't, you know, what I call talk about it but such fun anyway uh look forward to that other bits of writing news um speaking of books i've got a new children's one out next month you can pre-order now uh joe's bros and the bus that goes anyone you know in the three to eight year old area will thoroughly enjoy that it's based on the story of joseph it's his brothers kicking him off the bus and then prison and palaces follow it's a rhyming illustrated book and you'll love it or they will uh, whoever it's got a very good rhyme with harvest so look forward to that order yours now or you can buy it from me at gigs uh, i will have hundreds i will put a link in the show notes to that uh, future release that's joe's bros and the bus that goes so let's go back to the panel shall we james carey pierre hollins and dan evans at comedians with books earlier this year so, Pierre, your book is, I think, the biggest of the ones tonight, and also fiction as well, yeah. and uh, a novel. So, how was that process for you in terms of, you know, do you sort of bang, bang on out and rewrite, 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 or send, get other people to read it as well? To uh, it? I went through lots of rewrites. That's about the fifth complete rewrite. I just couldn't. There are so many disparate characters within it, and I couldn't. I, I wasn't quite sure what point of whose point of view I should write the story from. Um, and I mean, coming back to what I was saying earlier about genre, I think. If you have a strong idea of genre, then it's going to help you enormously. Of course it is, because there are set rules within each genre of how a story is, is, is meant to it works, how it works best. And, and yours is a love story, isn't it, I believe? It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a quest. But honestly, I did believe that, I thought that was the thing, that was the, what people would aspire to, was to write something that is non-genre, that is something, you know, this strange hybrid creature that is so different and that, that it can't be categorised. Um, but obviously within that non-genre category, there is a lot of rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> because, because people don't, not because they've chosen to not do a genre, because they don't understand the genre form. You have to understand the genre form before you can reject it. You know. I think for me, genre is a problem though, um, because I've just remembered I have written a novel that is basically a failure. Uh, but my agent couldn't find a publisher for it because of genre, uh, because publishers love genre and anything that isn't in that genre, they don't. So I wrote a book, so I, I wrote, used to write a sitcom for Radio 4 called Hut 33, which is set in Blackshee Park during World War II. And um, I wrote a book that was about a modern day crossword setter discovering that his grandfather was accused of being a spy during World War II for putting code words in the D-Day crosswords. Nice. And um, it's basically Robert Harris with jokes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my agent uh, sent it out, and it was all came back. It's just like, oh, so this is historical fiction. Oh, right. Or, it's a com- oh, no, it's a comedy. Which is it? It's funny historical fiction. Oh, right, that's not a thing. Uh, could it be a thing? No, I don't think so. Okay, so that's 8,000 words, and I'm not going to get it published. Yeah, looks like it. 
But do send us anything else you've got. Yeah. And so it was like, publishers had a really fix. So the, I love the idea of, and if you're doing it yourself, you can just go, I just want the book to be this. And obviously if you're Ian McEwan or Sam Rushdie, you can bust, bust genres or whatever. Uh, but if you're breaking in, you know, that is, that is quite hard. Or you need a publisher with balls of steel, or they don't care, or whatever it is, I don't know. Yes, I think you're right. Mm. If, if you're established, as a uh, as a genre writer, then you do something non-genre. Yeah. Then people go, "This is their yeah. you know their concept album." You've earned it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. You've earned it. But without ha- having mm. that track record, it is a, it is a difficult sell. Yeah. Uh, however, people are I mean uh, inventing new kind of mashups all the time. You know, and I, I it I'm surprised that that idea of yours didn't. Fly because it, I, I, that sounds eminently markable and terrible. Well, the fact you could say Robert Harris with jokes, you've, you've yes, trimmed exactly. it down to a, a yeah. pithy marketing yeah. thing. There are some great mashups. I mean, there, there was one, um, well, the, actually, it wasn't great, but the idea was brilliant. Pride and Prejudice with Zombies, yeah. for example. You know, you can put I mean, with zombies on the end of. Pretty much, you can pretty much do that with anything, yes. but um, but so there's an audience for Pride and Prejudice, there's an audience for zombies, bang it together, see what happens. I mean, that sold amazingly well. Yeah, yeah. I found it, I'm trying to um, uh, get a whodunit idea away at the minute, and I met with a publisher recently, he sent me the, the submissions form, and it's half the submissions form is saying, Why is your idea unique? Why does it stand out? Why is there nothing like it? The other half is saying, what other books are there out there which is exactly like this and we know how to sell it? Well, that, that, that is exactly yes. Thing, yes. That is my point. Yes, yes. you have to know how to market it. Mm. And I think, okay, um, there's something that someone told me, a film, uh, film director told me, which I thought was just genius. When Schwarzenegger, back when he was making films, he would start, before he's written a script or even know what it was about, they'd design the poster. I mean, that sounds really counterintuitive, but it's genius. Mm. If you've got a poster, he's on the poster, then um, he's ex-hero, there's, there's the enemies, add a tagline, suddenly you have, you have everything. Mm. You know the genre, you know uh, the target audience, uh, you, you know most of the story. You know, Work from, from marketing. If you want to sell something, you have to market it be- almost before you've written it. I, I was hearing recently on a, a, a podcast, it's a different medium, but the Mission Impossible films recently, I haven't realised this, they film the stunts first and then they work out the story afterwards. That and in fact, the last film had uh, Tom Cruise going un- swimming underwater to get a key card in a thing, and as they were filming it, they had no idea what was on the Why? key card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and afterwards yeah. they looked back and go, okay, I think there was probably some change. That's a really nice yeah. problem to solve though, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say that it's also perhaps an illusion that because you get a publisher, that means you've got things away. Like I had a friend who's had a couple of books published, and they did a little more for her than just put one in each waterstones. You know, there was no push behind it, so that's the, the pushing of it is still very much the author's job, I think, isn't it? You'd be a fool not to take on that as best you could, wouldn't you, of trying to get it out there. Probably yeah. the best thing to do would become maybe a, a junior manager at Waterstones, build your way up. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, when, you, when you're powerful, you would be trying with your own books in front of window. I think it, it's a good point as well. I think people do think that you get a book published and it's like, hooray, you've got it away. But it's worth bearing. I mean, when you actually look at, because I'm a member of the Writers Guild and other things like that, and you do get... Um, send bits of data and information about the realities of writing and it's like you know most mo- the majority of people who have had work professionally either produced or published writing is not their main 
source of income, you know, it's like for, it's only for like 10 or 15% of people uh, who, um, for, for whom they can actually make a living purely as a writer. Uh, so it's quite unusual. And also, you know, the number of copies that are sold of most books, it's, it's in the hundreds, not the thousands. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what a good circulation is. So my publisher said that we, I think I've sold, about a month ago my publisher said, you've sold 3,500 copies. I'm like, is that good? I've literally no idea. I think it's good. I think it's quite good. Yeah. All I know is, if I write a BBC One sitcom, I need five million yes. to watch it. That's the only metric that I've got, really. And so it's when it comes to, and when you, when you look at the bestseller books on the you know, Sunday Times bestseller list, you know, the first ones are very, very high. And even numbers eight, nine, and 10, they can fall off pretty fast. And there are some works, you know, hardback fiction that comes out. And, you know, this is an author you've heard of, and it's sold 530 copies last yeah, week. Yeah. You think, blimey, that's not many, is it? You, no. d you think you could probably, with a Facebook uh, campaign, sell 531 copies uh, uh, and do that. In fact, one of the mutual friends that we know, Jason and Joel, yeah. who have invaded the, the top 10 charts, uh, I think a year or so ago, these are the guys who had the idea to redo the Ladybird books. Um, I mean, who here has got one of those books? Yeah. Probably yeah. quite a few. Yeah. Um, you know, the Ladybird They're done books. really nicely, though, they're, aren't they? They're, they're done incredibly well. well. And yeah. you look at the top 10, it would like hardback, because technically they're hardbacks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And six of the 10 would be them, again, for the 25th week in a row. Yeah. And they've cracked it. They're well produced, uh, there's a nostalgia element. Mm. Uh, um, they're really well written, yeah. and they're cheap enough to be a great present. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's genius. I'm very. It's genius. Very We're all just. Yeah. Yeah, very very so this is a Paul Carenza podcast, and right now it's comedians with books. That's what we're using this podcast channel for for the time being until something else can fully settle in. We've got these comedians with books podcasts we've been recording. We thought let's get them out here on this here channel. So more from James and from Dan and Pierre in a moment. I did try to book a gender balanced lineup, and I tried every female comedian and author I know, all busy. I, I don't take it personally, all power to them. They are just in demand. Uh, so it's the blokes who were available for this low-paid promotional opportunity. Um, so you can come and see our next show, Tuesday, 8th of October. It is, as you can hear now, uh, but with added stand-up sets from the authors as well that we don't include on the podcast. That will be spoiling it. Uh, so some other updates from me. Um, one is that on my, my Christmas book from a couple of years ago, Hark, The Biography of Christmas. Uh, I've had whole festive episodes devoted to historical gems from that book before. You can go back through the back episodes of this podcast for those. Um, I've drafted then some book group questions uh, and notes for small groups if you're in one of those, maybe with a church or something. Because um, I heard that some people had been using the Hark, The Biography of Christmas book as a resource for their book group or for their church small group, which is very nice indeed. So I thought, let's put together some discussion points. So I've assembled some. You can find those at paulcarenza.com slash harknotes.pdf. Uh, that's paulcarenza.com slash harknotes, all one word, .pdf. You need to include the .pdf at the end. And they're for free, okay? They are there for your book group or your church small group. And the um, there are two lots there. So there's a one-off book group meetup kind of idea with some discussion pointers there. And then for church small groups who have you know, maybe several uh, weekly or fortnightly sessions, I've put together like a five-session guide with questions and pointers and Bible bits and so on, uh, if that's your thing, to, to help you ponder how Christmas past reached Christmas present, how the commercial Christmas can coexist with the spiritual Christmas and how indeed all of this has been going on since Christmas really 
began. So if you have got a book group or a church small group, uh, you can get a copy or a few copies of my book, Hark, The Biography of Christmas. Gather some mince pies and some mulled wine and some friends. I think it could make a nice evening as the nights draw in in sort of October, November, December. Then get to paulcranzer.com slash harknotes.pdf, link in the show notes, and uh, and do share that link. By all means, you can send it to anyone who you think would like to feel a bit festive this year. Maybe if you know someone who does a book group or has a church small group, um, send them that way by, by all means. The church small group notes, I should say, are currently a little unfinished. Most of the sessions are there. The last couple of sessions, I they have TBC on them at the moment, uh, but I should be finalising that in the next week or so. That will be updated on the website, all online for free, perfect for November to December reading joy, but in a community setting, gotta love a book group, why not indeed? Last thing then, thing two, before we get back to the last bit of the comedians with books, is that I've been blogging again at uh, kneeldownstandup, all one word, dot wordpress.com, kneeldownstandup.wordpress.com, because I'm a kneel down stand-up, I suppose. Um, It used to be my Yule blog, as I called it, blogging about festive past and things. Now I've rebranded it, PK's writing blog, so I'm adding occasional posts, slightly more occasionally than this podcast gets updated, occasional posts that are more about the writing process, um, story structure, things I've learned watching the latest stuff on telly, on Netflix, at the cinema, whatever. Just stuff that I'm watching but that informs how I write, how and particularly how a story is structured. So if you are a creative yourself, if you're a writer, or in some way making things, particularly writing I suppose, do have a look at PK's writing blog. It's all about you know what happens where in films and books and TV shows, even songs actually. There's a pattern that we all find pleasing, and many creatives harness that. So if you want to know more, have a look. Uh, Kneeldownstandup.wordpress.com in the show notes. You know I've been missing podcasting, and although I've got a couple of ideas for a new podcast, both a vast, epic kind of you know, take a load of work sort of ideas. And I'm just a one-man band. So until someone comes along with a huge grant that allows me to do those very ambitious podcast ideas, I've been pondering what else to put up here apart from these irregular Comedians with Books uh, episodes. So I did wonder, do I occasionally put up an audio version of PK's writing blog? Would that be good? I, I do I do wonder. Do get in touch. Paul at paulcarenza.com. Would love to Know your thoughts, like the amateur psychic once said to me. Um, Would you welcome more frequent podcasts, perhaps to include something on the writing process? Or indeed, something else. I don't know, maybe we should be podcasting on something different. But it's been a passion of mine at the minute, especially that writing structural stuff. But I've been leading some courses and talks and writing workshops for the BBC Writers' Room and for London Screenwriting Festival, but I would love to take it beyond that and maybe to hear in audio form. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, paul at paulcarenza.com. I would welcome your feedback. Do tell me if that would appeal, putting the writing blog in some sort of podcast form. And then maybe I shall, perhaps. I'm looking definitely at maybe, definitely maybe, uh, next year doing a writing workshop uh, more publicly in, in Guildford. Because so far, the BBC Writers' Room and the London Screenwriting Festival have been lovely to do, but you had to be there and had to be invited to be there, I believe, or at least pay vast sums of money to uh, to see those. So it'd be quite nice to do something more public. So Guildford, probably next spring, maybe with Guildford Fringe, watch this space. Speaking of Guildford Fringe, they are hosting Comedians with Books October the 8th in Guildford, uh, same week as Guildford Book Festival, as I said. And uh, you can come to the next one, Dominic Holland, Stephen Colgan, James Dowdswell, all fine comedians and all fine writers of fine books. For now, let's get back to the last little chunk of James Carey, Dan Evans and Pierre Hollins at the previous Comedians with Books. 
Uh, any any questions, heckles, or anything from the audience? Just uh, yes. So, is it the same with books as it is now with music? Because years ago we had a, a gold record, it was like however many millions that they sold, and nowadays it's like way less, it's exactly the same with books, because there's so many books out there. It's probably worse than music, because what music doesn't have is a load of celebrities who aren't musicians coming in and making music. Oh, and then, do you see what I mean? So, who's that, sorry? Katie Price did that, did she? She sold a few records. Um, yeah, but she's done more books, haven't she, as well? So, yeah, you may not have written them. <laughs> no, I remember she was interviewed about it and they asked about one specific character and she was sort of, I'm not totally familiar with who that is. <laughs> but I admire that anyway. That was you. <laughs> but it, there is that thing where also if you're, if you're after a publisher's attention, they, they're kind of obliged just for their own reasons of survival to really favour kind of Alan Titchmarch's book, you know, the Asda books as well, you know, so that... Well, you're guaranteed to make your money back, aren't you, if there's yeah. a, you know, yeah, of course. So the, the, the area is more are, squeezed, but it's... kind of weird celebrity culture. But it's always presented yeah. as an opportunity that we can all just do things on Kindle mm-hmm. and self-publish, which I suppose it is if you're across social media and things like that, but that just feels like, to a man my age, a bit of a... A bit of a chore that I don't fully understand. Although there are, I mean, I know a few people who have taken upon themselves to to, to, to write books, uh, self-published, and I mean, you do have to bang them out, mm-hmm. and they do have to follow certain genre guidelines. But yeah. they're doing really well. I saw. Yeah, um, they do sell in numbers. I follow on Facebook this guy Mark Dawson. Have you ever heard of Mark Dawson? His self-publishing yeah. kind of king. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. the guy that Queen Donaldson yes, has yes, followed. Um, and uh, he does this thing called the self-publishing formula and uh, tries to show people, you know, you spend half your day writing the next book and the other half of the day working the Facebook algorithms and all that stuff. And he's publishing his uh, revenue at the minute on Facebook and each month he's earning £120,000 a month. So I'm perfectly prepared to believe that there are outliers who are very, very successful. But again, that is a very specific form of genre fiction and what he's... And so you, you look at that and you think, wow, he makes loads of money. Isn't that brilliant? I'd love to make, make loads of money. Yes. But actually, it's not so... But I... Go on. He's the exception. He, he just is the total exception to it rather than... It's a bit like the idea of anybody can be president, but they actually all come from dynasties or money. Yeah, well, yeah. So, but, I, but, but when you describe what he does all day, you think, I don't actually want to do that. I actually want to write, and I don't want to spend half of my day marketing a book that I've had to write to a specific formula because these are the kinds of books that sell. I mean, so virtually, if you want to make money, there are virtually, there are, there are other ways of making more money, unless you're the kind of person that wants to write that sort of fiction. And if you are, well, lucky you, that's great. And I, it's not for me to say that that is a sub, subpar version of fiction. But there is a kind of a pop fiction which is of noble heritage and I have no problem with it. But that's, that's only one form of... You can't write literary fiction that way. No, you can't. You can't no, bang out literary fiction. And no, if you, you want can't. to be a literary fiction author, then, then that's, that, that's that is no open to you. Yes, you're right. You might as well train to be a sort of corporate accountant or something. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the same with any art? Yes, if you want to be a commercial artist or do something that you... Thing has more depth. You have to make that choice, don't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. I suppose most people do it, or I don't know, probably we've all found this. Mm. You do a thing where you do stuff for money and then you do your own thing and yeah. that doesn't bring any money and then you go back and do the to stuff. Mix. For money. Well, that's yeah. interesting. Both of you, James, have written for the Milton 
Only for the money. Only for the money. Yeah. So you, uh, but I just might, just curious to ask uh, how, so, you know, obviously if you work on two things at once, you are writing for someone, for yeah. a deadline, for uh, yeah. a wage. So this is Mil- Milton Jones, uh, fine wordsmith, fine radio shows, excellently written. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you we write have, it. Of course. Yeah. He's um, got this much talent, that Milton Jones. Yeah. <laughs> this much. Um, yeah. But, but you write all his material. Yeah. I, don't, I take him as a double, but you, you, you write for other people. Yeah. Uh, that's one side of the writing job. Mm-hmm. And the other side of the writing job is working in, you know, yeah. working in the cafe on the, like, the dream yeah. whatever it might be. But in a way, I mean, all of these jobs, I'm sure you got, I mean, I, we really enjoy, at least I do, really enjoy writing with Milton and for yeah. Milton. Yeah, definitely. A, because he's lovely. B, because it's just a format that suits both of us. We just love the, you know, it's yeah. just a daft show. Um, you know, it's just fun to write. And also, you can't beat writing for a show that's actually on. Yes, that's um, the thing. It's quite motivating knowing yeah, that it's going to happen. They're going to record it. Yeah. It's going to go out and people are going to hear it. So you may also have a project that you really, really believe in that you're writing and rewriting and rewriting and no one wants to do it yet. And um, although that might be your passion project, I can get quite passionate about stuff that's actually being recorded and broadcast. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just the money because it's Radio 4 and the money, even the money's not that great. Um, so well, it's no, always a combination of factors. An example of yeah. you do the stuff for money, but you no. do the whole thing. That's a bad yeah. example. No, no, but it's, it's like there's working, but there's, there's working in the industry, and and then there are other things you do which really are much more for the money, um, and that's fine too, as long as you're as long as you know, you know what you're doing and why. But you can't, you, but but yeah, the idea that hey, make money being an author. And I always tell people because I said it on the podcast or whatever. Don't become, don't want to become a writer for the money, because you're so unlikely to make a, a decent amount of money out of it, it makes no unless, sense. Un, unless you choose to be a commercial writer. Yeah. As, as, as we were saying, which yeah. is, you know, I mean, and some of them, they are just banged out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. I'm afraid there's a, co- there's a copywriter who just writes, that's their stuff, yes. you know, and yeah, yeah, the yeah. idea of the novel was abandoned at the age of 16 yes. or something like that. But, yeah. um, but speaking personally, my idea of writing week is maybe spending you know a couple of days writing for someone for a thing that's going to happen, and but no, it's not my name at the at the end credits. But then the other half writing that dream project that may yeah. come to nothing. But, but who knows? What well, led you into comedy? Because it, it sounds like a very precarious sort uh, of the hours. Trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's so long ago, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Is slightly realising that you could, back in the day, you could kind of do a couple of gigs a week and go into meetings for things like weekending and stuff and sort of live just about in Zone 2 London. That was all by process at the time, I think, and then you meet people you like, and before you know it, your other skills are old and you don't really have any options apart from perhaps working in a shop or something. So, um, but I do enjoy it, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's a trap. But, but, um, but so I guess all of us, who uh, said so those stand ups among us, predate when comedy became a thing that you saw on telly. And, you know, people yeah. now have sort of seen the panel shows and yeah. probably go, oh wow, I can earn a lot doing that. But they seem to be, a, you do it for them. It is definitely a career choice now. Yeah. It's totally yeah, sure. addictive though, isn't it? You, you do it and you get a good response. There may be one tiny good response in 10 minutes of disapproval, and that's enough to, and eventually you go, oh, this is five years later, I'm really committed to this now. And, yeah. So it's, it's addictive, I suppose. And, so. I've, and, I've, and I've kicked away all other support systems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was also my... I'm, I'm the first non-dairy farming carey, I think, for centuries. So well, I'm from a long line of dairy farmers. And I don't know if you know, you know, the dairy farming is not a good industry to be in now. Right. And so I remember telling my parents, you know, don't, I'm not going to be a dairy farmer. 
and they were just like, oh, for you, he's not going to be the only farmer. I'm going to be a writer. Uh, uh, <laughs> going so well. What a terrible show. Um, but, you know, I've got away with it so far, and I think that is it. Once you, once you, you if, for, for me, I'm a writer because I love comedy, actually. Um, and I remember, you know, growing up, I only ever wanted to watch comedy on the TV. And the reason I'm a writer is because I wanted to understand how comedy works. And so, you know, I went to you know, school, I was writing sketches at university, I was writing sketches. And so by the time I left university, I was actually probably quite good at comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, is, it is something you've got to practice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, for me, it was, the, it was the actual comedy itself and the writing was something I did in order to produce comedy. And so actually, I don't really want to write anything that isn't comic, really. Yeah. Speaking of farmers, the Karma Farmers. The Karma link. Farmers, nice link. Uh, thank, yeah, you, yeah. Uh, thank you, mate. Give us uh, one last push of why, um, why the book, why we should buy it. Because it's an exciting, different read. Okay, here's the thing, which I really liked about the, um, the publishers that I went with, Unbound. Um, because it's a non-genre book, they weren't frightened by that. They saw it as something kind of individual and unique and they wanted to back it because of that, you know. Not because if this is going to be like something else. This is going to be something different. And, um, and they like the idea of, of choosing those titles that might fall between the cracks of traditional publishing because it's going to be a slightly more difficult sell. Yeah, I like the fact you've gone for. I've got my book is Noah's Car Park Ark, which I just invented because I like yeah, the rhyme. Nice title. And you've gone for the Karma Farmers because it rhymes. Because it rhymes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. Um, James, yours doesn't rhyme, but it's no. a nice. It's a nice part of the title. No, well. There is a um, there is a crime writer called Christopher Brookmeyer. He's the funny that's crime right. writer. Right. They, they, they're only allowed. There's only allowed to be one funny crime writer, and that's Christopher right. Brookmeyer. Um, and he wrote a book called The Sacred Art of Stealing, and I've always found The Sacred Art of Stealing a really good title. And so I wrote the same stuff, joking. And so, yeah, so that's what the, the book has always been called in my head. And it is just, yeah, the, the fusing of these two things. And comedy now is so political all the time. Um, I nearly ran on with a copy of my book when, when you were being heckled. Because there was a dispute about, you were worried that, like, so have I offended about people being old or whatever? Yes, yes. It's just like, look, there's a handbook here, I can tell you. Thank you. The importance of context and everything. Sorry, he stopped yeah. me from coming on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so jokes are really, really important. And actually, I think comedy is so important to the human soul and the human spirit as well. I think anyone who doesn't have a sense of humour at all, we view them with suspicion that they're slightly less than human. Because I think it, there is something divine about our sense of humour because we need to be able to understand. Um, the world as it should be before we then laugh at the world as it is. We have to have a sense of the, um, of the elevated of heaven or whatever you want to call it. Um, and therefore I think it's, and therefore it would be a disaster if comedy is regulated more and more and Twitter has more and more sense of humour failures yeah. and, you know, the guy who made a joke about blowing up Robin Hood Airport, um, who eventually was prosecuted and then it took three appeals and a high court you know, decision to overturn it and millions of pounds when it was just like, it was a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the heck, it was so obviously a joke. What is wrong with you people? This is not going away, the Joe Brown's yes. line recently. Yeah. There'll be someone else next month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This will keep on going. Um, so that's why I'm kind of really keen to defend comedy. And I, despite being obviously a, a, a god botherer and take it quite seriously, I'm obviously very relaxed about people's right to make jokes. Great. Speaking of jokes, the country's finest jokesmith. Well, 
And to tennis players. And tennis players. Yeah. No, some 40th season or whatever, I said. Mine is short, so I mean, that is often a credit. But I mean, there's five stories in there. If you're not enjoying one of the stories, you're probably near the end of it. And then there's another one. So, yes. By the time you realise you don't like it, you finish it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, four or eight different books, and may uh, you keep writing more, or at least telling more jokes or something like that. Um, and thank you for coming. Ladies and gentlemen, our, our next comedy we give comedians with book show is in October the 8th. I've just tweeted the ticket link if you want to look at at Paul Brent on Twitter, that you'll find that. But, Tudor, would you please show your appreciation for the comedians and indeed authors who seem to So that's comedians with books. I think you had a good taster now. Do come to the next one during Guildford Book Festival Week, Tuesday, 8th of October. Google uh, Guildford fringe comedians with books for details don't forget sign up to be in my a team of beta readers if you can feedback and review my short stories and maybe within the next year the novel as well the big whodunit paul at paulcarenza.com subject titled a team and you could be in at the ground level it will cost you nothing it will help me out you feedback and review you get free stories and you get the knowledge of being the first to read those Yes, and you can uh, alter how they uh, come out to the world. Wouldn't that be marvellous? Uh, also, don't forget that Joe's Bros and Bus That Goes is for your illustrated biblical uh, children's um, readership. Do not forget as well my website and harknotes.pdf. That's paulcrenzer.com slash harknotes.pdf. Uh, again, link in the show notes for the book group and church small group discussion pointers on Hark the Christmas book. Um, it's all free. Help yourself spread word. Great to study this winter. Don't forget as well, you can email me, paul at paulcarenza.com, about the future of this podcast. My writing blog brought to you in audio form more regularly. Would love to know what you think. Um, you say it, I might do it. I think that's everything. Actually. Oh, no, radio things. Pause for thoughts on radio too. I'm back doing that in November. That's always fun. Uh, I won't go on to... I've been. I waffled on far too long on this podcast. Loads of things to, to tell you about, which is very exciting. But for more, join my mailing list. That's a good thing you could do. Um, overwhelmed you enough, I feel. So if you sign up for the mailing list, again, link in the show notes. Uh, I will tell you the latest on all the above and much, much more when it happens, including more on Miranda and not going out and things that when I have the all clear to tell you about, I can tell you about. It might even include some ticket availability, but you will need to be on the mailing list uh, to find out. Even then, there may not be, but we will see. That's one way to do it. So mailing list, again, in the show notes. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and then new episodes will land in your device. Uh, you can review it wherever you got this podcast. That would be marvellous. If you would review my books on Amazon and on Goodreads, I would love you forever. And you can find me on Facebook. Paul Carenza is my page there. Twitter and Instagram is at Paul Carenza. I've waffled on far, far too much. It's past your bedtime. That's it for now. As you were, yours sincerely, Paul. P.S. Bye for now.